Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. This week on the podcast, I have my friend Billy Smith joining me, and we talk about all things in starting an online membership. Billy and I got connected this year, and every time we meet to chat, I'm reminded that making friends online has saved my mental health while working in this industry. For so long, I felt only hyper-competition and backstabbing in the yoga scene in my local area, and it felt like nobody was interested in the same things that I was. But here I am, all these years later, making friends from all over the world within the industry and having discussions about where we go from here. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for it. Now, this is the last of my series about what it is to work online for now. So take a listen and hear about someone who shifted through COVID and made a whole new career of their own. But before we get started, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're a longtime listener, I would really love it if you would give me a review. It helps other yoga professionals find the podcast and join us around the water cooler. And have you signed up for working in yoga's professional development challenge this summer? It is totally free, and we will dive deep into creating a new map for your yoga professional journey. Check out the link and register in the show notes at www.workinginyoga.com. Finally, thank you as always to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, the online self-care studio. They're hosting a virtual retreat this July on the 28th through the 30th. And if you have ever been curious about what I do when I'm not hosting this podcast, the bulk of my work revolves around self-care and teaching people how to skillfully nourish and care for themselves. So join us on the retreat and we will be talking about relationship care over mocktails and how to create more skillful personal self-care strategies that work for you when you actually need them. Learn more and grab tickets at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash online. Now, take a listen to my chat with Billy Smith. Welcome, friends, to Working in Yoga. Okay, so I have been on the edge of my seat to have this conversation. I'm going to be really honest. So I'm so excited to welcome my friend Billy Smith to the podcast. Billy, say hi to everybody. Tell them who you are and what you do. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm also very excited to be here. Um, my name is Billy. My pronouns are they, them, or she, her. And I have an online yoga and movement business called Move with Billy. And I specialize in teaching queer, safe, trauma informed, and anti diet movement classes and one on one coaching as well. 
do have some like on-demand options and that kind of thing. But the bulk of the business is a rebel movement club, I call it. And it's, again, main thing is anti-diet, we're safe, trauma-informed, three things that I'm super passionate about. Yoga classes, there's mobility type workout classes, there's workout classes, and it's um, it's like the best thing I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If I'm being honest. (laughs) Okay. So, and I said this before I hit record here, like y'all have to go check out Billy's website, movewithbilly.com because now, okay. Tell everybody how long you've been teaching. Oh yeah. 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 I've been teaching since 2016. So I think about seven years now. Um, I did my first teacher training way back then. It feels a little weird because the last few years seem, I don't know, it's like, like I blinked and now it's been seven years, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, I was so impressed with your website, like six, Thank seven you. years into teaching. I wasn't even thinking even remotely close to that way. Like, like I'm really excited to hear your story of how you started teaching and what your experiences were at the beginning, because I, I feel like oftentimes folks like me get the mic, right? I've been teaching 20 years and then I get super nostalgic. Like I see a lot of people in my time of teaching who are just like, oh, do you remember the nineties when we were all, you know, <laughs> practicing with Madonna or whatever, <laughs> like, <and you'll> hear, <laughs> like you hear these stories and then I'm like, we are not acknowledging the experience of these people who are coming up, who came up and learned how to teach yoga in the teens and then were new teachers surviving COVID. <laughs> Yeah, that was wild. Tell me about your experience. Like the whole story, I want to hear it. Start to finish? Start to finish. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, So I did my teacher training back when I was, like there was a physical studio. It was like pre-pandemic times, obviously 2016. Um, It was a training where I had to be at a, in a place for 30 days. And it was like intensive. Um got into teaching because I have been through a lot of trauma and had mental health um, difficulties, we'll say, (laughs) and to sum it up. And yoga was one of the main things that helped me get through it. And I wanted to do that for other people too. And saw the impact it had for me, my relationship with my body and my, you know, just how I felt day to day. And I wanted to help other people too. So I went to my teacher training. It was a very pivotal moment in my life because it sort of um, just in a personal way changed a lot of stuff for me that didn't really have anything to do with yoga, but more so helped me really feel supported like for the first time in such a big way with these people that you spend like every single day, every single moment of the day with. Yeah. Um, And then I started teaching and it was there's a lot of great stuff that happened with it. Teaching, there was a lot of stuff I would have, I wouldn't recommend or <laughs> how do yeah. I, yeah. Like I wouldn't go through again. Like there's a lot of stuff that sucked about it, to be honest with you. And it was even now looking back, there's more layers of problematic stuff in it. And just in like the teacher training itself, um, I have had, I should have counted before, but I've done another for I'm going to say six other teacher trainings as well. Um, but yeah, so I was, I started teaching in a studio. Um, and it was a terrifying, 
experience at first. I remember literally shaking before I would open the door and just kept reminding myself, like, it's not about me. It's about them. It's not about me. It's about them. Um, It was a really interesting experience because I get my words mixed up a lot. And I thought at first there was a period of time where that felt like something really embarrassing that I would do when I was teaching. And I eventually just sort of was like, okay, well, this is just going to keep happening. I'm going to get windows and mirrors mixed up every other class, apparently, just like go with it. So there was definitely a period of time of realizing maybe the way that I was shown to be a teacher and the way that I actually was going to be my best version of a teacher. Um, Yeah. Same goes with, you know, there's a lot of... um, spiritual bypassing approaches to mental health in the yoga world and I definitely was exposed to that a lot and I read a book it's called teaching people not poses or something like that that talk I can't remember the author but it talks about them going through a difficult time and recognizing if you are having a bad day, somebody else might be in the room, might be having a bad day. And there's a way of teaching. That's not you know, like telling your whole class why you are having a bad day. It's yeah. just saying like, Hey, I'm sad today. That's, you know, okay, that's okay. We're going to move on or, you know, not trying to be fake, nice or fake, not, not fake, nice, fake, happy yeah. and how it, much of a difference it makes for the people. So there was a lot of other stuff happening at the studio but a lot of this sort of learning and picking apart was happening for me on a deeper level. And I was fully thinking, you know, down the road, like, and when I say down the road, I'm, I thought like 10 years down the road, maybe I would do my own business. But for them, that was like my career. I was teaching, um, I don't even know, 10, 15 or more classes a week in a hot studio. Um, so like 40 to 60 a month. <laughs> was, Holy smokes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of sauna time, basically. Um, and I was still like, barely making ends meet with it, um, which is like a whole other topic. But then the pandemic happened. And at first, it was like, okay, now we're teaching with the studio, but online. And there was some messy stuff with that. And then the biz- the studio closed. And I found out the week before. And I was, and at that point, my other part-time job or my part-time job had closed too. So I was like, okay, well, there goes my whole future plan. (laughs) All of it's gone now. And I think a student, one of the last classes I taught in the studio, a student was like, are you going to keep teaching? And I was like, of course, like, I, I don't know how yet, but like, of course. And I sort of hatched a, I guess, not really a plan, more like if I taught online with them so I could teach online on my own, put it out there. And it wasn't really like I spent forever on a business plan. It was like, I just kind of had to do it. Like I just jumped and I didn't want to stop teaching. I didn't really want to teach at a different studio because I'd experienced a lot of uh, not great treatment at the studio I was at. So it kind of altered my perspective of teaching in studios for a while and at first I taught just drop-in classes on online on zoom and kind of tried to figure it out from there it was very much jumping into the deep end I just think I did the e-transfer 
which I know is a, not a thing in some places now, but I didn't then. And it, as I went, it was like I was finally free to figure out the things that are important to me. So I didn't have to teach the way that they at the studio told me I had to. Yeah. I could, I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff that I was going through anymore. I could recognize what the things I actually want to do and the place that like the niche I really want to be in. And that's where I really started to be really vocal about the anti-diet approach and the queer safe approach, which came shortly after, but was always there. It just became more personal when I realized that I was non-binary and it's sort of been a like learning as I go thing, but it's been a little unbelievable to look back on where I started. I think I was saying earlier, I've been through, I think this is my third website I've had. I recently made a change in February or January with my business. So like no longer doing drop-ins anymore. I switched to a membership style because it's way easier for me. And for all of us, for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's much more to the story, but that's like the, that's the short point form version. (laughs) Okay. So there's a couple things I want to highlight and talk about in your story. Partially. Okay. The idea that studios have, especially before 2020, right? 2020 kind of thinned the herd of a lot of the studios Mm -hmm. that were out there, but a lot of people's experiences were like yours. My experience at studios I taught was like yours, very toxic environments. Um, to say the least, right? And and you know, when I started, there was nobody speaking up. Like I I loved that 2016, 2017 time when you were getting trained because we were all deconstructing. It was really happening culturally and within the yoga space. Um, I recently recorded a podcast about consent where I listed all the messed up things somebody has said to me in a yoga class over the oh years. My God. Oh, I know. Right. (laughs) And I had like, and you know, I listed like the highlights, like the top seven or eight. And I'm like, this is like a bad boyfriend. (laughs) This is just like, (laughs) yeah, like, and then I thought like you've referenced, you know, I'm also a trauma survivor. I'm like, well, no wonder this felt like home to me. Yeah. No, no wonder I didn't question because that felt like what my childhood was like, (laughs) you know, exactly. And, and we don't often talk enough about there are more of those of us who have who have survived trauma who are in our rooms than we really acknowledge. Yeah. And That's very true. And then we slide into these yoga spaces that can sometimes be really toxic. You know, it's almost, you know, injury upon injury upon injury. And then comes the Internet. And, and you telling your story of like all of a sudden I got to figure out who I wanted to be as a teacher. Like I'm, mm. I'm like here getting chills. Like that's what I think we all want, like is yeah. to step more into our skin as teachers. So tell me about like that transition. Like how did you figure it out? Did you immediately just go in and you were like, look, I'm a yoga rebel and I'm gonna come and <laughs> no. <laughs> screw diet culture. <laughs> like, uh, No, definitely not. I, my studio looked, like if you search in, if you search yoga on Instagram and it's all thin white, yeah, body, like women presenting bodies, that was essentially my studio. Um, I was, I had the biggest body there of the teachers. 
um, which was immediately a, it was no, I don't think, from what I remember, there was never anything said, but there was this definitely an idea that I got from training and from just existing in this world that I might not be taken seriously as a yoga teacher because of my body. And which is bullshit. Sorry, I don't know if I'm yeah, supposed to swear. Can you can totally swear. <laughs> I should have asked beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have a, had a different approach to teaching than everyone else at the studio. And that was, it was a problem. Um, I didn't like going in and telling you to move that leg like this yeah. certain type of language and only giving one option that was always the hardest to do option or that didn't work for everybody. And then saying like, oh, or if, as a, like a passive thing, or you could do this one. I didn't like telling people as a order what to do. I liked giving options. I didn't recognize that at the time as to why I was doing that, but it felt really gross to just go in and be so like me taking authority over what they should do with their bodies. And, but it was seen as me not being a skilled enough teacher. I was, and if the classes I was teaching weren't full for whatever reason, it was always like, oh, maybe it's me. Like that was talked yeah. to me like, oh, maybe it's me. I was, like I said, I had a hard time with words. I figured out by that point that I was dyslexic, but I did do that all the time. And I just started to laugh it off and move on because sometimes silly words would come out of my mouth, but, and most people would laugh about it and we just move on. It wouldn't be a big deal. And my boss took me aside and told me to really think about how I'm identifying with that. And like, can I heal this part of myself? And I said like, no, <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, this is, this is me healed. This is like, I'm dyslexic and therefore this is me figure having figured that out like oh can you heal that it's like no and that was not I think I just I think that was one of the moments where I recognized like oh this isn't this isn't cool a lot of there was a lot of other stuff that happened but like you said it was my normal growing up to be talked to like I was you know bad at everything or to be put down all the time and I didn't recognize it until some of these moments where I was like oh okay um so very much at the beginning was I felt like I didn't fit in and it was you know like I was some awful things were said to me and then I would be blamed for having feelings about them and like it like oh you should be really trusting that we have your back meanwhile last week you said that everyone's talking about me and it was not a situation where I felt confident in being the rebel and just being in that space. It was a place where I was like, I felt like emotional, I don't know. It was not good for me. I was not, um, I was not treated very well. And I didn't, I just felt the whole time like it was my fault I wasn't fitting in. Yeah. If I didn't, exactly this style, this cookie cutter style they wanted. It was me not being a good enough teacher. Meanwhile, from students all the time, they would be saying like, I so love your approach. Like they felt so safe in my class, but I don't know why I feel so safe in your class. And it wasn't until after 
and somehow some of the stuff that happened in the, the pandemic and some of those moments where I finally was like, oh, wait, that's messed up. Like, why would you say that? Or why is this happening that I started to recognize? And I actually had a part, got a part-time job partway through the pandemic in something that has nothing to do with teaching, just like a retail job. And my boss was actually really nice and would say, like, say things and then actually mean them and do them and say, you know, I'm important. And then if I was like, you know, in pain that day, be like, just chill. And I, that was the first time I'd had a job where my boss treated me like a human being, one of the first times. And that made me recognize like, oh, this other stuff was messed up. Like, and that was at like a yoga studio where I thought I would be, you know, safe. I thought it was yeah. a space that would be safe. So it was like a lot of, honestly, a lot of therapy <laughs> and just yeah. figuring well, that stuff out that way. I was going to say there's a huge disconnect oftentimes when people experience what they experience as a yoga professional after they've trained right so it's sort of like this will like there's thousands of podcasts out there you where like interact with narcissists right and in the beginning they love bomb you this is honestly uh, so many people's experiences through training so to be a yoga teacher you're a student and you're they want to funnel you into the training so they love bomb you oh my god you're amazing oh my god i would love to have you in here and isn't this what we do so impactful and, you know, look at so-and-so and they're such a Zen yeah. person. And then you go through the training and you have this profound experience because yoga is impactful mm-hmm. as a tradition. And then you come out and it's a whole different thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. wild. Like I love now that we are able to make, shifts to make it more accessible because we're having conversations because mm-hmm. COVID kind of burnt us to the nails a little bit. Yeah, like, I did. Yeah. Do you feel yeah. like the greater community of yoga, like the people you see online or who you're interacting with, are you hearing their conversations change now versus seven years ago when you started? Oh, totally. Totally. It's, I also, to be fair, have put boundaries of the people that I interact with. So I don't really follow the people who were like toxic or people who felt more like that type of yoga teacher or wellness practitioner. Um, I've unfollowed a lot of them. So it definitely in my space, it's all people who have (laughs) spoken up about some of the things we say and some of the normal, like things that are normalized and how you're taught about how even how the body moves or how we treat people there's a lot like the practice of yoga if you're changing your approaches in these ways that you're treating people like people and you're coming at it from a more trauma-informed place and anti-diet place it can have so much big like such a bigger impact it can be a space where people feel maybe for the very first time they can be safe in their bodies and if we're not doing the best we can to let it be actually safe, like we're doing a disservice. We could be doing so much better. <laughs> so your community is primarily online, which is unique, right? Like a lot of, I saw a lot of people, like I said, who are, who've been teaching longer, who are dying to come back in person. Like we're all sort of craving that co-regulation that happens when we're all in person, but your community is online. Like, can you tell me a little bit about building that community and what that's been like Mm -hmm. shifting away from, we were, 
everyone was online 2020 2021 but now mm-hmm. it, that's not the case what's it like now it's um it's really nice it's a smaller like there definitely was a bit of a um I don't want to say drop off but a little bit of a lull at the end because you know a lot of us were really burnt out from being online all the time but I think there's for some folks who are you know may have maybe have a hard time finding a babysitter or have a hard time finding transportation that kind of thing there was a real feeling that it was something that they wanted to keep doing because it's easier for them financially but it also is in a space where like the anti-diet yoga space or yoga niche we'll say isn't a very big one unfortunately and there is not really many places like physical spaces you can go to to like not that there aren't any for sure but it's if you've been say been through eating disorder or you've been out of diet culture for a while it can be really hard to trust a new space that you're not going to go in and they're not going to say something about like summer body or some other flippant remark or greet you as hey ladies when you walk in there's not a lot of spaces or it just feels scary so the people who are coming to me definitely still have some of those feelings it's very natural too but they're people who are just in the same they have the same values as me that they don't want anything to do with diet culture they want a actually um queer safe space they want an actual trauma-informed space and there is room to connect with people who feel the same thing so there is a bit of social time and built into all of the classes to help with that feeling of like that's part of the reason we people go into studios is they like to see other people so there's a little bit of social time built in and as someone with social anxiety I get the scariness so I do my like I do everything I can to make it not scary and a lot sometimes it's just you know people sharing their wins and then other people cheering them on which is the cutest thing in the entire world (laughs) I love that it's one of my favorite moments that I kind of caught me off guard with how emotional I got when I, other people started to cheer other people on that I was like oh my gosh this is actually like there's a community built now and it's like maybe it's a small one but I don't need it, it doesn't need to be gigantic I'm just one person um but it's it's really cool because I was I was a little bit unsure obviously when I first started how it would go because I didn't I didn't have like many of us I didn't I wasn't teaching online when I first started, that was yeah. a whole new thing. But now it's like none of none of my clients have really ever seemed to have any issue with it being online. They are excited they can do it from home. They can be in their own space. They can, you know, have the kids running around in the background if they need to. They can some people will do it with their kids if it's a PA day or but I think the most um thing I hear the most is how unique my approach is and that's I think what it feels awkward to say that about myself like this but that's the reason they see me like I have folks from all over the states I have folks from like I have folks from across the world I have folks from the same city as me from the other side of Canada and 
it's so cool to see them building a little community of just like just not wanting anything to do with dye culture and celebrating each other and it's it doesn't feel like other online I mean not that I've been to every single one I'm sure there's other amazing ones but it doesn't feel like some of the other online classes or like when you do a YouTube class it's not the same there's still the community and there's still very much a lot of the same great bits to it does that make sense <laughs> it, it totally does and in fact I think you're saying what so many people have kind of said can't happen that we can't build our studios online that somehow there has to be walls that you can touch and feel and see in order to have a quote unquote good yoga space and you know i've seen the yoga alliance push up against online learning i've seen other organizations really push up against this online concept and i'm like look if we're going to be accessible mm -hmm. online deserves an equal conversation as in person just because we're all high from co-regulating each other like doesn't mean that you're not going <laughs> to get i mean that's true that's what happens in space like mm -hmm. um it doesn't mean that you can't build community that there can't be like nurturing relationships that happen online. It can, it mm -hmm. absolutely can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it totally can. I'm not going to say that it's easier for sure. I, I mean, I haven't opened an in-person studio. I like, I haven't owned that. So I don't know that experience. So I, I'm not going to compare it to it, but it's definitely hard. There's, especially if you're trying to be in a niche that's not the traditional, not, uh, not yeah. to say traditional, not the uh, more seen westernized yeah. yoga one. Um, you have to work a little harder because your voice is in a sea of the opposite message, but it's so worth it. And I think it's, it takes time, but it's all about, like, it really is all about nurturing the relationships. Like that's some of the bulk of the community building which is the part that I like one of the parts I love the most and so it doesn't really feel like work in that sense yeah um but there's definitely other hard stuff to it like there's a bunch of challenges and like I've there's a lot of subtle bits to it that you're like oh yeah now I have to learn about building a website now I have to learn about yeah. this now I have to you know do all that stuff but it definitely can be done it could and it's really depends on like what you want to do as a teacher and who you want to serve and how you want to show up because if you want to have a studio space it's not always accessible for folks to get like purchase the property or to rent the property and to do all that stuff it's um it's it can be it totally is doable to do an online yoga business or movement business in general so uh, my studio opened in 2019 and somebody asked me actually last year, they said, if you would have known that online would have been a thing, would you still have built your in-person space? And I love my in-person in space. It's kind of like, like I get to walk into the space and go, this is the job that I'm like, this is my dream job and I've built it. Like, yeah. that's cool. I love but that. My answer is also hell no, like I would never, yeah. like I would have built on, I would have done exactly what you would have done. I would have built online. I would have been mm. finding my people to, that I want to speak to that have a similar ideology that I have and teaching mm. those people. I think it's such a smart way to go 
Totally. I think one of the biggest resources in that, and maybe it's the same for in um, in physical space, is finding other people who are business owners. Doesn't have to be in the same industry as you. Finding other people who are business owners and just kind of having them as a person to talk to sometimes because you will have imposter syndrome. You will have times that you put out a newsletter and like 20 people unfollow unfollow or whatever. Oh my God, you will yeah. have those and they're so normal. But when you're, I feel like when you're, sometimes when you're in an online space, again, not speaking to other, other things, it's like, you don't necessarily, it's not, it's not always talked about. People don't say like, oh, hey, like being a business owner has really hard days where you want to quit or you wonder why you started doing this in the first place. Or, oh my God, yeah. You know, put out a newsletter where you're talking about it. I don't know a specific thing you're you value, and a bunch of people unfollow you. Find other people who are business owners in whatever field, because they will be like, oh, like you're doing right now, like oh yeah, that happens, and it's yeah. you're like oh, okay, cool, the pressure's off, yeah, and it's totally fine, and it's going to be okay. It's not me, like it's really not yeah. me. And one of the best things that was helpful is someone. I wish I could remember the wording because it was it was such an impactful moment, but them explaining people unfollowing you is a good thing because they're probably not going to buy from you anyway. And yes. they're not your people. If they were not, you know, not all about whatever opinion you just put out on the newsletter, you're not going to see eye to eye anyway. And you're just going to mm-hmm. get a group of people who really love the stuff you do. And that's what you want. So if you are trying to do business or teaching online or however you're doing it, like find people who are doing similar stuff in different industries or the same industry because it's like invaluable it's so helpful I think you're so you're so right I mean especially online like so my studio does have an online studio as well so I operate kind of with one foot in both spaces um and to be honest with you in-person business owners also don't talk about it either like yeah. if you're lucky enough, like like my next door neighbor, she runs a dog bakery and she's been in business 10 years, 11 years now. Wow. And I will sometimes tell her about like, oh, I messed up this thing or, oh, I forgot to send this tax sheet in on time. And so I got this fee and I don't know how to deal with it. And she will then be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, and yeah. like, it's so validating to have a person who's just like, yeah, it's okay to want to quit this job. Yeah, it is. It's totally okay. And yoga people in general, we have an isolated and lonely job. Even if you're working in a studio, you're likely the only person on staff there. Maybe somebody who's at the front desk. You go in, Mm -hmm. you teach your class of students. That power dynamic isn't equal. Those people aren't your friends. They're Mm -hmm. your students. And then you Mm -hmm. leave by yourself and you go home. If you're lucky, in a couple months, you'll have like a picnic or something with other yoga teachers. But that's it. Yeah, so connect. It. Yeah. Yeah. And same goes for teaching too. That's one thing I, um, that's kind of hard to, to learn because again, you don't necessarily talk to people the same way. I think in some studio cultures, you're taught that if like no one comes to your class, it's a reflection of you as a teacher, or if there's a, there's a student who's, I don't know, checking their phone a bunch, or it really depends on the, the studio stuff but there's you know there's always something like that that happens it's really easy to be like oh no if I'm doing this wrong because that's what we're taught to think like oh how can I be better how can I be better how can I be better not how what's my voice as a teacher what what are my values how do I want to show up so having days where you just you teach a class and you think that was the worst class I've ever taught like 
or or having days which are always the ones that everyone's like that was such a great class totally Um, every time (laughs) how does that happen every time um or having days where no one shows up just happens like if you think about like a cafe or a business in general there are just days where nobody comes in for some reason and that's just the thing it's probably not personal and it's really honestly like hear any hear this it's not personal people don't aren't coming to your class more likely than not it's just maybe a weird time has nothing to do with you yes but the yoga yeah like yoga studio culture has taught us it's always our fault it's not it's not your fault (laughs) unless you literally had a bunch of emails from students saying like this is a thing that happens in this person's class then okay maybe yes do some self-reflection there's learning to be done but other than those moments like it's really not really not personal. So let me ask you this as we wrap up here. Um, we have new teachers coming in now. Now we've got people in 2023 who are being trained in person. There are people who are being trained online or in a hybrid modality. Like, so you're done. You're in the glow of, I just graduated my 200 hour teacher training. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to a studio and teach. Maybe that studio doesn't have jobs. Jobs are harder to find as a yoga teacher yeah. now than they were before. What is your, what would be your first move to try and find a job or yeah and finding a job and figuring out who you are as a yoga teacher would you go um, online right away you can you can i think it really i think honestly if you have the ability to try like try it out like try try as many things as you want because then you can figure out what you like if you have you know friends and family you want to teach a class to you can there's ways of doing that with different platforms we might not I don't I mean I don't know all the things but you're definitely there's a way of teaching people where you don't have to pay for the membership for the online space and then teach a couple classes to them and figure it's like see how does that feel for you do you hate it do you love it it definitely is an adjustment and some teacher trainings don't talk about how to teach online you might you know listen to a podcast about it or there's like lots of other free resources try out teaching in person same thing if you want try a couple family friends family members or friends how does that feel I would say if you can and if it feels good to you try a bunch of different ways of going about it and just like you would do in a you know when you go into a pose in your practice and well maybe it's not universally taught but trying, okay, if I put my foot slightly to the left or slightly to the right, how does that feel in my body? And what happens if I like move my arms? Think about your teaching practice the same way. How does it feel if I teach online a couple of times? Do you really love it? Maybe you're a little nervous. You're not, you're not sure. Cool. That's great to know. Do you teach in person? How does it feel to work for other people? Um, and I know that that's all like easy said, it's hard to do. Most important thing I would say along the way, reflect on how you feel as a teacher, your opinions as a, like your opinions of approaches, your values before you, like first, think about your stuff first. Other people's feedback and some, I know in some, some yoga studios, there's not like no feedback. Some there's only feedback all the time. (laughs) That's just someone else's opinion of how they want the class done. And it's not more important than yours take time to know what your voice is, what your opinions are, what your values are, and don't let anyone talk to you like you're not a person or 
if you, they do, please try and quit if you can or do what you can't, like find help, support, whatever. Um, that shouldn't be the norm. And it's the norm in a lot of places we don't necessarily know. So no, you should not be talked to like you are um, not capable of having your own opinions and not every single person has to teach the same way. So I know it's a really long answer, but basically do your best to keep checking with how you feel about things, how you want to communicate, what your values are and have that be the thing and know that how you start teaching now doesn't have to be the way you always teach. If you start something online and then down the road, you find a studio that you love the, all the people that are there and you love the place and it works well for you, try that out. Tell everybody how to find you. <laughs> you can find me on um, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Although to be honest with you, just Instagram is usually best. <laughs> at move with Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E. And then you can find my website www.movewithbilly.com. This was the best conversation. Thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much, Billy, for joining me. Make sure you check out their website and connect on Instagram. Here are my key takeaways. First, we can bring our whole selves to our yoga teaching. And when you start bringing all of you, you have the opportunity to be more impactful as a teacher. Anti-diet culture is something that we need to embrace more of in our industry. Sure, sex and body transformation can be effective marketing, but are those the messages we want to be sending? If we claim that yoga is for everybody, then we need to start putting our marketing where our mouths are. You should know, at the very least, the basics of what it is to be a trauma-informed yoga teacher. If your YTT didn't provide that for you, a workshop or book can help support that shift. Check out the work of my friend Joanne Spence for more information. She's a great resource. Creating a group of people who connect with your attitudes and beliefs can be incredibly powerful. We can create communities online, and building that with others is a great way to connect with people from all over the world. Go find other business owners and make a support group amongst yourselves, even if those people are not in the yoga industry. Having people to vent to, connect with, and who allow you to be your real self, even on the hard days, is critical for sustaining your business over time. And finally, feedback is important, not more important than your own voice. We often divorce our own voice in order to please others. Culture teaches us to do that, but yoga is a true inquiry into our own self and our own voice. Yoga teaching and yoga business should be doing the same. Next week, I get the treat of sharing a conversation that I had with the Root to Rise founders as they talk about their newly released book, How to Be That Yoga Teacher. Thank you to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, and most of all, thank you for listening. I am so grateful. I'll see you next time.